What is up, guys? And welcome to Montreal Madness with your host, Tony Montreal. Hey, everybody. It is great to be back with all you for another episode. And what has felt like forever since we have last seen a live uh, football game, we get exactly that tonight. Um, as the Houston Texans take on the defending champion Kansas City Chiefs um, tonight at 8 o'clock on NBC. And I cannot tell you guys how excited I am to finally see uh, football in my life, uh, just like all of you are probably feeling right now. So now that the NFL season has started, what I will be doing is that um, before every Steeler game, um, the week uh, leading into that game, I will be giving a preview um, of each Steeler game as well as all the marquee matchups that will be going on uh, week by week. And then after the Steelers' first game, I will also be recapping their previous game as well. Um, so that is something all of you guys can look forward to. Um, so I will be going to more of a uh, weekly um, podcast. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, so with that being said, um, this Steelers uh, team right now, um, as I've said before, they I believe they are in a win-now mode. Um, you know, Big Ben, he's coming back off of that serious uh, elbow injury he suffered. So I'm really looking forward uh, to seeing how he performs in week one uh, on Monday night against the uh, New York football giants. Um, now, to be quite honest with you, I do not expect much out of Big Ben um, in week one. Um, you know, it's been almost a full year um, since he's seen any live action and he's going to be pretty rusty to say the least you know he's 38 years old coming off the worst injury any quarterback uh, can come from you know it's right in his elbow and his throwing arm um, you know I know he's gone through all the rehab he's had you know a full training camp uh, thankfully under his belt um, but with just no preseason games, um, you know, not competing against any other teams, uh, it's going to be difficult for him to perform at the high level that we all expect him to play at um, right out of the gate. Um, you know, I I just personally do not think that he is going to have a, a prototypical Big Ben game come Monday night. Um, now, should we see him progress as the game goes on? Yes, we should expect that. But out of the gate, the first couple drives, even the first half, I do not expect uh, Big Ben uh, to be Big Ben. Um, he's probably going to miss a few throws that he thinks he should have. Um, you know, just that that mental clock that you have as a quarterback in your head wouldn't get rid of the ball, um, seeing his first, second, and third reads, um, and just trusting that elbow to rifle a ball and fit in a tight spot between defenders. Um, I think, you know, he's probably going to be a little hesitant, as he should be, um, with throwing into tight coverage and, any, and everything. But the one thing that he has that most quarterbacks in this league right now don't have is this Steelers defense and this type of defense that they have. 
You know, if they can play um, up to the way they played last year, it should really help Ben Roethlisberger just ease into this game and honestly lead uh, lead into this uh, season as well. And it's going to be up to the Steelers' defense to kind of take that pressure off of um, Big Ben and, you know, to win some uh, games early on uh, like they had to do all of last year. Um, you know, that the reason why they even won eight games last year was solely based on their defense. Um, so as long as a the defense, they can keep them um, in the game uh, with the Giants in week one and then probably weeks two and three after that. Um, if, you know, the Steelers can have a, you know, a, Two and two, three and one record um, after the first four weeks. I think the Steelers will be, um, be will be an okay form. I think I think they will be just fine for the regular season. They have the second easiest schedule um, right behind the Baltimore Ravens. Um, so yeah, you know if the Steelers they can just be two and two by uh, by week five. I think will they be? I think they'll be in perfect shape because uh, I think it's going to take. Big Ben of the first quarter of the season uh, to finally hit his rhythm. Even before the surgery, the Steelers are notorious for coming into the season very slow. Um, you know, last year uh, they started the season off 0 and 3, and then to a 1 and 4 start. The year before that, they tied the Browns on opening day. Uh, the year before that, they beat the Browns by just a field goal. Um, and the last time that they won a season opener by more than two scores, you have to go way back to the year of 2015 when they opened up the season against the Washington Redskins. Uh, I'm, I'm, oh, sorry, I'm sorry, the Washington football team. <laughs> that's gonna be uh, that's gonna take some getting used to saying that. And uh, you, you know, going off on a little side note here, I just cannot believe um, Washington has yet to come up with a new nickname and mascot for their team. Um, you know, they've had all this time to come up with a new one, um, and there were some pretty decent names that were um, being uh, floated along out there that could have been Washington's uh, nickname, and uh, they just haven't uh, pulled the trigger on it yet, and I for one, do not know why. If I'm a uh, Washington football fan, um, I'm not very happy with Dan Snyder and the way he's running that organization right now. You know, like I said, you had all that time to come up with a new nickname and everything like that. They said they were going to have one before the start of the season. Well, the start of the season's here, and they haven't done anything yet. You know, they have the W as their logo. Um, you know, no nickname as of right now. Um, you know, it just doesn't really make any sense. So... Um, all right, so going back to what I was um, previously um, rambling about. So, yeah, the Steelers, they've been notoriously known to starting slow out of the gate. Like, not even just for Big Ben. It's it's his whole team. Like, uh, last year, the Steelers' defense in Week 1 against the Patriots gave up, I think, 35, 38 points, something like that, to the Patriots. And in their 0-3 start... Um, their defense just was not uh, that good as compared to the rest of the season. Um, their first big game the Steelers had um, showing off their capabilities was in Week 5 against the Ravens when they lost in overtime. But from there on, that defense was phenomenal. But it took them four weeks to get to that. So, yeah, I... I mean, I am for one just hoping for a two and two start. Um, if they can go three and one or hell four and zero, I mean, yeah, that's that's spectacular. That's awesome. Um, but you know, the Steelers, if they can just win 
two games out of the first four games, um, this team can easily, um, you know, make a run to the playoffs. Um, I believe they can even win a division this year. Um, if they if they get off to a reasonable start and their defense gets clicking and a Big Ben can shake the rest off early and get back to his Hall of Fame form, um, the sky's the limit for uh, this Steelers team. Uh, so going into the um, specific matchup with the Giants, um, I like this matchup for the Steelers personally. Um, you have a second-year quarterback in Daniel Jones, and for a sophomore quarterback, um, you know, having all the having all of training camp and all those preseason games and everything just to get more experience and stuff, um, you know, that helps a young developing quarterback so much. And Daniel Jones didn't get any of that this year. Um, he didn't see any, he hasn't um, had any live action uh, since the end of the regular season for the Giants because they missed the playoffs as well. Um, so I expect uh, the Giants game plan to be focusing all around Saquon Barkley um, uh, Monday night. And, you know, I'm a huge Penn State fan. Ever since I was little, I went to Penn State. I watched Saquon Barkley for three years in person. And I'm telling you, this guy is a generational back. Um, Just something you won't see um, another one like him for a very long time. I mean, he's like Barry Sanders and Earl Campbell combined to the one, one running back. And that is just so rare. For him, for that, just the physique that he has, you know, he has the legs of Earl Campbell, just like thighs, like tree trunks, but he's so nimble, like a Barry Sanders or or an Alvin Kamara or a Reggie Bush or, you know, some of those types of players. It's just so unique. And this Steelers defense, they have to be ready for um, the Giants offense to just be focused on Saquon Barkley. I mean, not only will they be running the ball with him, obviously, but they'll be trying to implement him in the passing game. Um, You know, out of all the things Saquon Barkley does well, his um, route running and his um, pass catching ability and his, um, you know, catching the ball and running and running for yards afterwards, it is very, very underrated. And I'm kind of surprised um, last year, um, I know Barkley got injured for a little bit, but they really didn't utilize him in the passing game like I thought they would because Barkley, I mean, he's like a Le'Veon Bell, um, essentially, if you remember him with the Steelers, you know, he would catch 80 to 90 balls a year and um i really thought that saquon barkley was going to be more like that because like i said his route running is off the charts i mean he he could be a number two or number three wide receiver um if that's the position um that um if they would line him up i mean he is that talented um just an all-around football player so this steelers defense faces a tough challenge in Saquon Barkley, um, I think what uh, the Steelers need to do and what they will do is they're going to stack the box. They're going to put um, Devin Bush on, on Barkley every play, um, and they're going to force the game into Daniel Jones's hands. And if the Steelers can do that, if they can uh, control Barkley along the perimeter, um, don't let him break anything big because you can't stop a guy like Saquon Barkley. Let's just say that right now. You can't stop Barkley. Uh, you can only hope to contain him. So if they can hold him under, you know, 100, 120 total yards, you know, you don't let him uh, break the big one running or catching the ball. Um, I think that is a solid win for the Steelers defense. And if they put this game on Daniel Jones' shoulders, um, I think you see the Steelers come out on top. Um, I believe it's going to be a low-scoring game. Um, just 
like I said earlier, it's going to take a while for Big Ben to get that rest off. Um, and then other than um, Ben Roethlisberger, um, I have really no faith in James Conner. Um, I know he is a good, feel-good story um, with him battling cancer and everything, coming back, making it to the NFL, and being a fairly productive back in his years with Pittsburgh. I mean, he's, he's not been bad, but he hasn't been great either. And the thing that frustrates me of Connor is that he's like, what, 5'9", 5'10". Um, I think he's only 190. I don't think he breaks 200 pounds, but he plays like he's Derrick Henry. You know, he tries to run over everybody, and he can't do that with his physique. And he's not skilled enough to be like a Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey type of running back where he is nimble and everything. He's just not that. And that's the reason why he gets injured all the time. Um, you know, he has missed, I think, um, at least three to four games every season he's been on the Steelers. And unless he changes his running style, I think you're going to see the same thing as uh, James Conner this year. It's going to be a matter of time before he gets injured um, and he's going to miss a few games and everything. And um, to kind of give a little in-depth preview here, I really do believe that um, Benny Snell, running back out of Kentucky, they drafted him last year, he's going to take over the starting job for the Steelers by week eight, um, especially if James Conner gets hurt. You know, I don't want to wish anybody an injury or anything. God, I don't want that at all. Um, but I, I just, you know, until James Conner can prove me wrong, I think he's going to get injured before the midway half of the season. Um, and then it's going to be a battle between uh, Benny Snell and Anthony and McFarland. They're, um, what was he, a second-round draft pick out of Maryland, I believe, and or a third-round draft pick out of Maryland for, um, running back. And it's going to be a competition between, between those two, and I feel like Benny Snell has the upper hand. Um, for the limited time that he... Um, got the ball last year. He played really good. He's a really good running back in between the tackles. Um, you can't bring him down with an arm tackle. Um, so he's very hard to get down on the ground. He's always fighting for extra yards. Um, he makes a defense pay with his legs. And um, I just believe that uh, by week eight, he will be the uh, starting running back if James Conner doesn't stay healthy. So besides for that, um, the Steelers' game plan, I think it's going to be a lot of the uh, short passing game. Um, I don't think they're going to go deep um, against this Giants defense, although their secondary was, I think, in the bottom five of the league last year. Um, you know, I just I just don't expect the whole playbook to be open for Big Ben right away. So I think it's, you know, not to be so much run heavy, but you're going to see a lot of screen plays, a lot of crossing slant patterns. Um, I just believe it's going to be a methodically driven offense in week one against the Giants. Um, but I do believe that the Pittsburgh Steelers, when it's all said and done, they will come out on top 20-17. Uh, to 17, um, And it would not surprise me if, you know, those three points came on the leg of Boswell um, in overtime or with like three seconds or so left to go in the game. Um, so yeah, I think it's, I mean, a nail butter right down to the end, but I think the Steelers, they get a couple of key turnovers late in the game. Um, they give the Steelers offense a short field and they end up winning 20 to 17. Um, I don't really expect a big game from any, um, particular player on offense. Um, you know, I know you get a healthy Juju Smith-Schuster back. Um, you have a potential breakout star in Deontay Johnson. Um, the, really the big key factor 
for not only this game against the Giants, but in the whole season, is going to be Eric Ebron, uh, tight end from Indianapolis that they uh, brought in via free agency. Um, reports around camp are that you know he is being um, worked in through um, every formation. He's going to be lined up everywhere across the field, um, and he's going to be a really good weapon for Big Ben in the red zone. With just his size, uh, he can box people out really well when they get down to the goal line and the end zone, that, those sort of situations. Um, I think he's going to come up big, um, not only in this game against the Giants, but throughout the whole year. So yeah, I, I do believe the Steelers have a lot to work with, but it's going to take some time um, for this, not just the offense, for this whole team to gel and to come together. So I believe they win this one 20 to 17 against um, against the Giants and that if they can come out at, at the very least two and two through week four, um, this Steeler team will not only make the playoffs, but they have a legitimate shot at um, winning the division against the Ravens. And speaking of the Ravens, um, I don't know if you guys listened to uh, this guy on Fox called um, Colin Coward, but he had this um, segment um, where he did his five obvious um, predictions for the season. And one of them was that he believes that the Ravens will go 16-0, and have an undefeated regular season. Um, and that was, like I said, his quote-unquote obvious predictions for the season. I don't know what he's smoking. I don't know if um, he's all right in the head or anything, but my God. God, you cannot say that that's an obvious statement whenever there's only been two teams since the 1970 merger to have an undefeated regular season. And only one of those teams was actually perfect in the night with the 1972 Miami Dolphins. Because um, as we all know, the Patriots went 19-0 and lost the last game of the Super Bowl against the said uh, New York Giants. Um, but yeah, just what, a, what an idiotic take. I mean... Yeah, is Baltimore good? Yes. Are they a top three team, if not the best team in the NFL, at least in the AFC? Well, I guess you have the Kansas City Chiefs, too. So, yeah, they're, they're a definite top three team, if not the best team in the NFL. But they are no way, shape, or form the same type of team um, like the 2007 Patriots were or like the 1972 Dolphins were. Um, they just they don't have the complete set to be that dominant of a team you know Lamar Jackson I believe he peaked last year as far as what he can do offensively um and and leading that Baltimore offense you know he is not going to get 1200 yards rushing like he did last year he's not going to throw 30 35 touchdowns like he did last year uh that's just not going to happen and who's to say you know he doesn't get injured with his with his um, style of play. You know he's a you know he's a running quarterback, um, and he's very he's very skinny and scrawny and small. It's not out of the realm of possibility that he can get injured, a little banged up here and there, and uh, you know that could that you know when your quarterback when your starting quarterback gets injured, you can almost basically kiss your season goodbye unless you're the Philadelphia Eagles with uh, um, Nick Foles. So, and unless you're that, I'm sorry, but if your starting quarterback gets injured, your season's practically done as a team. Uh, but he, even if Lamar Jackson does happen to stay healthy for 16 games, I don't think the Ravens have the capability and the and the star talent on that team to be 16 and 0. For as good as their offenses, I mean, they have yes, they have Lamar Jackson. Yes, they have um um 
you know, Mark Andrews as a tight end, Mark Ingram at running back. They just added J.K. Dobbins, uh, stud running back from Ohio State. Um, but at the wide receiver position, that's where they're lacking. You know, they have Antonio Brown's cousin. I believe his name is uh, Marquise Brown. They call him Hollywood Brown. Um, you know, they're, they, they're just not that starts at the wide receiver. Um, you know, they lost, uh, um, Hertz as a, uh, or Hurst, my bad, Hurst at, at, uh, tight end. And they were a big two, three tight end team. Um, so now they're down to Mark Andrews at tight end and that's basically it. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, do I believe Lamar Jackson is going to struggle or anything? No. I think he's going to have a really solid year this year, but he's not going to put up 1,200 yards rushing. He's not going to put up, he's not going to throw 30, 35 passing touchdowns this year. It's just not going to happen. They're not, and on defense, um, they already lost um, their safety, Earl Thomas, um, through all those shenanigans that he pulled through training camp. Even without Earl Thomas, even with Earl Thomas, I don't think they're that great of a defense. I would take the Steelers' defense any day over the Ravens' defense. You know, are the Ravens a good defense? Yes. Do they cause turnovers? Yes. But they're also susceptible to um, a lot of points against, a lot of yards against, uh, a la Tennessee in the AFC Divisional game last year. Um, you know, that was of Ryan Tannehill, for crying out loud. You know, their main focal point is Derrick Henry, and they still couldn't stop Derrick Henry, knowing that the whole game plan was evolved around him. Um, so I don't believe that this Baltimore Ravens defense and, you know, Lamar Jackson and offense can carry this team to us undefeated regular season. Uh, so for Colin Coward um, to make such a obvious statement, um, well, it's obvious to me that he's a freaking idiot. Um, and going back to what I said earlier, though, um, about Marquise Brown, uh, fun fact for you, Antonio Brown um, is, is suspended for the for the first eight games of the regular season. Then after that, he becomes a unrestricted un, uh, free agent, and he's open to um, any team. Um, and where I'm going with this is, so I've the past couple days, I've been re-watching The Last Dance with uh, Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls back in the uh, 90s. And, you know, as we all know, um, the Chicago Bulls, they picked up Dennis Rodman. And a lot of people were scratching their heads about why would they make this move because he was a very bad headache. Um, he was a cancer for um, a lot of teams that uh, Robin played for, especially the Spurs um, back in the mid back in the mid nineties. Uh, he was just a basket case to say the least. Um, but there, but with Phil Jackson head coach. And with the leadership that they had with Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, um, Dennis Robin became a good fit with the Bulls um, because he, for all the headaches and all the basket case that he was, he was the best rebounder um, in the league, maybe ever. And he was one of the best defensive players to ever play the game. With that being said, I believe of any team that is going to possibly um, sign Antonio Brown for the last half of the season. Pittsburgh makes the most sense to me. And here's why. One, he's already familiar with everybody there at the team. Um, and I know that, you know, it didn't go well at the end of um, the 28 uh, or yeah 2018 season um, with Antonio Brown not playing against the Bengals that last game of the year. And then he had that fiasco with the uh, Raiders and everything. Um, but he is familiar with that organization very well, as we all know. The Steelers, they run a tight-knit ship from the owner all the way down. 
Um, and to be honest, the Steelers did one hell of a job of hiding all of Brown's antics for the longest time. Not only that, um, you know, Big Ben himself, um, he has admitted to saying just this past offseason that he is a re he is a renewed man as far as um, leadership ability is concerned. Um, you know, he is very big into his faith right now. Um, you know, he's always talking about his new renowned faith with um, Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior and everything. Um, I just, I really, really do believe if Antonio Brown is going to go to anybody, it's going to be the Steelers. You know, they can control Antonio Brown. I, I really do believe right now that everybody in the Steelers, if, you know, if the Steelers were to sign Brown, that they would all forgive him. Um, and that they would really take them under their wings. And, um, you know, I just, I just believe it would be just a very good fit because when Antonio Brown's in the football field, there is no wide receiver better in the league, and there's no quarterback-wide receiver duo better than Big Ben and Antonio Brown. Um, so much like what the Chicago Bulls did with Dennis Rodman and kind of, you know, controlling him, controlling his fanatics, you know, being what he is off the field, but on the field, he's part of this team organization. He plays with 110%. Doesn't give any headaches to the team. I believe Antonio Brown can be the Dennis Rodman um, for the Steelers team this year. Um, you know, Mike Tomlin, you know, he's not a get-in-your-face type of coach. He's more of a player's coach. Uh, he can be reasonable with Antonio Brown. Um, you know, kind of, you know, yes, put him in his place if he needs to. But kind of, you know, hey, just let Antonio Brown be Antonio Brown. Um, don't just don't let him get carried away, but let him do his thing. And uh, I really do believe that if Antonio Brown um, does come back to the Steelers, that Big Ben he will treat Brown a lot better. Um, they will get along a lot better. And I just believe it is. It's it's just a perfect fit um, for both parties involved. So um, I'm not saying this is going to happen. I honestly doubt this will happen. But if, if if any team is going to take a shot at Antonio Brown and it's going to improve their team, it is the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think that is the best fit for Antonio Brown. And I think that's the best fit for the Pittsburgh Steelers right now because... Steelers, like I said at the beginning of the show, they are in a win-now mode. You know, Big Ben, he's 38. He only has about a good two, maybe three years tops left in him, at least at a Hall of Fame caliber, um, you know, type of player, the way he's playing. Um, so, so, yeah, they don't have many years before that window closes for a championship, I believe. And then they're going to be in a total fire sale and rebuild mode until they find their next franchise quarterback. So, yeah, if so, it just makes perfect sense that if Antonio Brown's on the side of any team, it's it's with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So moving on now to some of the more marquee matchups, uh, let's get into uh, the first game of the season uh, with the Houston Texans playing the uh, playing the Chiefs. Um, you know, a lot of people are saying this is going to be a cakewalk uh, for the Chiefs, um, but the Texans, they have Deshaun Watson. And when you have a quarterback like that, you're not out of any game. And it was not too long ago in the AFC um, divisional round where these two teams met. And the Chiefs put up 21 unanswered points uh, against the Chiefs right out of the gate. Um, so it's not out of the realm of possibility that the uh, Texans... Um, could win this game. They they easily could. You know, the Chiefs could be um, in their Super Bowl hangover still. Um, you know, 
besides for the New England Patriots, um, every single Super Bowl team that has won, I believe, since 2010, other than the Patriots, they have lost their first game of the regular season. Um, so, yeah, don't be surprised if the Kansas City Chiefs end up falling um, in their first game. However, you know, they have Andy Reid as head coach. They have Patrick Mahomes, obviously, a quarterback. They have a lot of young, talented wide receivers led by Tyreek Hill. Um, their running game. Um, they have that rookie at LSU. Um, God, help me pronounce his name. Um, Hayer, Edwards, Hayer, whatever. I'll learn it eventually. Um, but he's a question mark. Um, I know in my fantasy league, he was picked in the first round, as a lot of other fantasy leagues um, have drafted him in the first round. Um, but he is a rookie with no live action yet. So, I mean, it's going to be a learning curve for him to get adjusted to the uh, to the Chiefs system and just to the NFL game speed in general. Um, so um, the big question on the Kansas City Chiefs is their defense. Um, you know, as the season progressed last year into the playoffs, they got a lot better. They are led by Tyron Matthew um, on the back end at safety. Um, but other than that, um, they are not that deep at really any position on defense. Um, yes, they got a good defensive line. Um, they got a couple decent linebackers, um, but their secondary, besides for Matthew, um, you know, they are not that good at all, to say the least. Um, so I believe this is gonna be this is gonna be a really good game to watch. It's gonna be really close to the very end. Um, I think it's gonna be uh, high scoring um, because the Houston defense, besides for JJ Watt, they are like Kansas City. They are not deep at defense at all either. So I believe this is gonna be a high scoring game. It's gonna be close. It's gonna come down to the last to the last drive. But I think the Kansas City Chiefs, they have the ball um, at the end of the game, and they will win by a score of 34-31 to 31 to open up the 2020 NFL season. Um, so that is my prediction for uh, tonight's game uh, against the Texans and the Chiefs. Another game to really focus on is my second favorite NFL team now, which is the Buffalo Bills. You know, they just showed so much improvement um, last year um, with their team under head coach Sean McDermott and um, uh, third year um, quarterback Josh Allen. Um, you know, you know, Josh Allen, um, he struggled a little bit in the first half of last year, but boy, did he ever turn it on and show his true potential the last half of last year. Um, he was top five in every statistical category you could think of as a quarterback. Um, their offense as a whole just improved so much. They have a really good, um, running back in Devin Singletary. Um, I think he is going to be, um, one of the tops in rushing yards this year um, in the NFL for the Bills. Um, they got Stephon Diggs, a wide receiver. They have John Brown, a wide receiver. They have Cole Beasley in the slot. They just have an all-around good offense, even their offensive line. They brought every one of their offensive linemen back um, from last year, and that is huge for any team to have that offensive line chemistry. Um, just ask the Pittsburgh Steelers with their offensive line for the past five, six, seven years. Um, ask the Cowboys offensive line. They've been together for the past five, six, seven years. And everybody regards the Cowboys offensive line as the best offensive line in uh, the NFL. So I think the Buffalo Bills, they have a top five, um, top six offensive line um, in the league. Um, 
they just are all around stacked on offense. Um, I just mentioned the wide receivers. I believe they have the best wide receiver core in the NFL right now from top to bottom. Um, you know, do I think Stephon Diggs is a superstar wide receiver? No, I don't think so. But is he a very good wide receiver? Yes, he is. Um, he's just not a Julio Jones or a uh, a uh, Michael Thomas or a DeAndre uh, Topkins type of wide receiver, but he is very good. Um, you know, when you compliment that with John Brown and Cole Beasley, they have a couple good tight ends with Tyler Croft and Dawson Knox. They just have a complete offense. They have a complete defense. Um, they just signed Trey White to a lengthy extension. Um, he is worth every penny of that contract. Um, they have Micah Hyde in the back end in, the, in safety. Um, they got some decent. They got some decent edge rushers. Um, their linebacking core is one of the best coverage linebacking core in all the league. They are so fast, sideline to sideline, every single. Um, linebacker position. Um, they are just so speedy. They get to the ball very fast. You know, this Bills uh, defense, they won't create a lot of turnovers like we've seen last year. They won't get a lot of sacks like we've seen last year too. But they get a lot of three and outs. I believe they were um, third in the league in um, the amount of three and outs they forced last year. Um, you know, they are a bend but don't break defense. They don't give up a lot of points. Um, they are just a very cohesive chemistry driven team and um when you have a team like that where um you know you just have a you really don't have a glaring weakness from top to bottom uh those are the teams that you have got to watch out for and i am very very excited to see what this uh buffalo bills team uh has in store so they play the jets in uh week one um on sunday and i i really don't think it's gonna be a tough test for the bills um now Past the Jets, they have a really tough schedule this year. Uh, however, though, most of their tough matchups come from the NFC West. All but one of the, um, but the two teams that um, come that that they play in the NFC West, uh, they go to Buffalo for one o'clock starts, and um, it is very tough and it's statistically proven that NFC teams. Um, you know, coming to the AFC, playing one o'clock games, they do not fare well at all. So they have that advantage going um, for the Bills right now. And, um, you know, with this division being wide open now, now that Tom Brady's left, um, I believe this is the division um, for the for the Bills to lose this year. Um, you know, so I easily see this Bills team winning the, winning the division for the first time since the 90s. And, and hosting a playoff game for the first time since the 90s um, when they lost uh, four straight Super Bowls. Um, so the sky's the limit for this Bills team right now. I am really looking forward to them. As far as the game against the Jets is concerned, um, like I said, yeah, it's it's not going to be a contest. I have them winning 27-17, and I even think that's a little uh, too close right there. But I will, um, yeah, that's going to be my prediction for that game. 27-17 for the Bills over the Jets. And moving on to my last marquee matchup uh, for week one. Uh, we have the New Orleans Saints taking on the newfound Tampa Bay Buccaneers led by Hall of Fame quarterback and probably the best quarterback of all time in Tom Brady. 
Um, the Buccaneers, uh, as of last week, they got running back Leonard Fournette from Jacksonville. Um, they already have wide receivers Chris Godwin, uh, ex-Penn Stater, very good. Mike Evans, uh, they got the Gronk um, to team up again with Brady, um, along with Ho- uh, OJ Howard. So this Tampa Bay offense, um, they are looking very, very dominant right now on paper. However, though, they didn't address much on the defensive side of the ball. So if there's going to be a weakness on this team, it is definitely going to be on defense for Tampa Bay. Um, As far as uh, New Orleans goes, you know, they have Drew Brees. They have Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara. Um, They were just they were just loaded on offense. Um, They have a stout defense. So if that being said, I I really do. Don't see Tampa Bay winning their first game with Tom Brady against this Saints team. Um, I know the schedule makers, um, they didn't do um, the Buccaneers any favors with scheduling their first game against the Saints, um, especially with no preseason games or anything like that for all those new guys on Tampa Bay to uh, get gelled together and everything. Um, so I have the Saints coming out on top um, by a score of 31-20. to 20. I, I really think it's going to take some time for Brady and all those guys uh to develop some chemistry you know their offensive line um if there's one question mark on that offense it is that offensive line um they gave up i think the third most sacks in the league last year um so it you know it's going to be close in the first half but i think the saints um they just have too much firepower they have too much experience and chemistry um all together with each other um i think they're just a runaway with it in the second half And yeah, I think they will upset Brady and the Buccaneers and spoil Brady's uh, first game without Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. So there is my week one predictions for the Pittsburgh Steelers and um, my personal marquee matchups to look forward to. And speaking of uh, week one matchups, so it was my plan when I first started this podcast um, was to do not only Steelers previews and marquee matchups in the NFL, um, but to do uh, Penn State football previews um, as well as some other marquee matchups within the NCAA. But alas, um, we are not. I am not doing that this year um, because of uh, um, the Big Ten will not be playing uh, this fall with their hopes of returning. Um, to football in the spring. I don't know how that's going to happen or how that's going to work because the refs in the NCAA um, actually has a set of balls and they are going uh, to be playing the likes of the SEC, ACC, and the uh, Big 12. Um, They will all be playing, um, but the Big 10 is not, as well as the Pac-12. I am really disappointed in the fact that uh, the Big 10 um, could not find a way um, for these for these guys uh, to get a a conference only schedule in like the other three uh, uh, power five uh, conferences are doing um, it's for the life of me I I don't freaking get it you know if one conference isn't playing um, it's my opinion that none of them should uh, however um, the big ten in my opinion is a bunch of pussies Um from the Big Ten commissioner all the way down to the uh, presidents and athletic directors um, of the Big Ten schools. Um, I believe they had to vote only two teams. Um, I believe in the Big Ten um, voted to have a season. Um, I I don't understand. Um, you know, these guys, um, you know, Trevor Lawrence a, a few weeks ago 
said it perfectly. These guys have more of a chance of catching COVID, you know, being at home rather than um, being at school um, where they are monitored 24-7. You know, they would be, you know, not in a bubble per se like you see in the NBA or in the NHL with their playoffs, but they'll be monitored 24-7. You know, if if you get it, you have to quarantine yourself. Um, you know, you have to stay in your dorm, um, whatever. You can't play. If you get tested positive, you know, you can't play, and so be it. But for the life of me, why they couldn't figure out a plan um, to get a season going, it's 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 just mind-blowing. Um, I am extremely pissed off, you know, at everybody, at all the higher-ups uh, involved in this situation. And I made a point um, to myself that I am not going to talk anything political um, or anything like that on this show. That's not what it's about. So I'm not going to go there. However, though, just, I, I just, it's, 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 it's just mind boggling and baffling. Like I, like I said that, you know, they, they couldn't come to any resolution other than just uh, canceling um, the 2020 season. And is it heartbreaking um, as a fan myself and for a lot of fans out there, yes. But I can't imagine what the players and the coaches are going through. Um, especially, you know, the juniors and the seniors um, that are playing right now that are expecting to go to the NFL next year. You know, they're having to opt out um, already. Um, and then for those guys that were going to play, um, but then they were going to go in the draft next year, that really hurts their stock as well. Uh, if you don't think it uh, doesn't hurt their stock, you are kidding yourself. Um, because if you think a coach is going to, you know, draft somebody that was highly regarded as a, a huge overall prospect, but didn't play this year over somebody that, that does play this year, like in the SEC or ACC or Big 12, well, then you're an idiot. Um, because, you know, GMs and coaches, they're, they're not going to want somebody that missed a whole year um, and pick them over players that have. So how the Big 10 um, handled this whole situation um, it is piss poor and it is just downright disappointing to say the least. And like I said, I'm not going to get into the whole thing, what my opinions are on handle on, on how to handle COVID. Um, because I am not in the business of doing that as Mike Tomlin would, uh, constantly, um, say that phrase, um, in his press conferences time and time again. Um, I'm not in the business of doing that. I don't have expert analysis of that, but if three Power Five conferences can do it, then the big then the Big Ten should be able to do it as well. So that's all I'm going to say about that. It is just extremely sad and disappointing to see the Big Ten not playing this year. So with all that said, I think that's a wrap uh, for this edition of Montreal Madness. As always, make sure to follow me on um, Twitter and on Facebook at Montreal Madness. Uh, Make sure to subscribe to my podcast on Apple Podcast and Spotify. And until next week, um, have a great weekend. Enjoy um, your favorite football team playing. And hope you guys have a good one. See you later.